the Pro Tools Expert podcast with Russ Hughes, Mike Thornton, and Julian Rogers. Good evening and welcome to Pro Tools Expert Podcast 342. It's the 22nd of October 2018. I'm Russ Hughes. I'm Mike Thornton. And I'm Julian Rogers. Mike's hot off the plane. Uh, yeah, he is well, just not sure back, about hot, but... Well, yeah, sweaty <laughs> off the plane, just back from AES. So we'll be talking about that in our talking points tonight. Anyway, Mike, uh, you get the first part of this script tonight. Over to you. Michael Carnes from Exponential Audio has kindly shared us another great tip uh, that works with the second generation Exponential Audio plugins. That's Nimbus, R4, Stratus and Symphony all of which have some controls at the bottom of the tail page. Um, Check it out. The uh, tip will be in the notes. And we've also got a story which brings together the three tips that Michael has shared uh, as part of this uh, podcast series. So we'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Julian, what's the deal situation this week? No Dan's deals, I'm guessing. No, no Dan's deals. This month's feature deals from Leapwing Audio until the 31st of October get 20% off their Center One Spatial Plugin and Dyne One Parallel Multiband Dynamics Processor, making them just over £143, including VAT each. Uh, don't miss my tutorial on how to get the best results from your Dyne One plugin. Avid are offering UJAM's excellent solid and heavy virtual drummers at 50% off until October the 31st. Only a week to go, so get moving. And don't forget to check out the deals from our partners on the deals page. Highlights include Isotope offering introductory prices on RX7, Insight 2, and their new post-production suite 3. And Avid and Audient are both offering special discounts for students. Let's go on some talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Over to you, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Did you know that the team at Universal Audio are offering you the chance to build your own custom plugin bundles of three, six, or ten plugins from one low price and save over 60%? Just pick your bundle option and then choose your plugins. It's as simple as that. You can find out more from the link that we'll put in the show notes. So, Mike, you were at AES. You sent me a biblical report <laughs> yep. to me and the team. Uh, what did you see and what did you like? And then we can talk about what we saw from this side of the pond with our very, very good binoculars. Okay, yes. Um, as, as, well, uh, yeah, as well, we know from things like NAM, actually, quite often the team members who are back at base actually get a better view of what's being released at NAM or in this case AES than the personal people on the show floor um, but yeah we'll take a look at that uh, presently but certainly from my perspective uh, on the show floor uh, AES New York last year was my first AES uh, and I absolutely loved it I love the combination that it's uh, all audio because uh, most of the trade shows that I go to are relate to broadcast and post-production and tend to be quite heavily weighted on the video and all sorts of other stuff like IBC uh, and then uh, BVE here in the UK. Uh, so to have an audio-only show, uh, delightful. And secondly, the uh, seminars and workshops part of AES is also really, really good. In fact, uh, I set my calendar um, around the uh, papers and the seminars that I want to visit. So I check that's, that program out. 
So yeah, I want to go to that one, that one, that one. And then I set everything else like meeting up with friends and clients past and future and uh, and then take a look at some of the new products that are on the trade show floor. So um, it's, and the other thing I think with AES, it's an incredibly friendly show. Uh, it seems to attract uh, the people that, that are interested and serious about audio. I think I shall leave it there. Uh, but I suspect anybody who's been to trade shows will uh, probably work out what I'm where I'm going with that one. So uh, in terms of things that um, I saw, um, I would have to say that um, the uh, sound particles uh, plug-in uh, has to be one of the highlights for me. Um, it's essentially taking the technology that um, CGI uh, graphics people use of different pixels and particles and how you can create um, images of things that essentially don't exist in real life uh, but applying that to audio and of course again with the whole object audio based um, uh, idea you know of having individual objects which you can then randomize and steer around and create crowd scenes and um, you know, battlefields without having to try and uh, build on sort of a relatively small palette of uh, sound effects that are available in various libraries. Uh, so that was certainly very interesting. Um, second one that I'd like to highlight is... Um, Sorry, you've just spoken about something about four minutes and I don't understand at all what it, what it does. Can you kind of sum it up in one sentence for people like me? So what's the basic premise of the thing that, that it does, Mike? So uh, imagine a, a blank piece of paper. You can determine the shape. So maybe you want it to be a circle or a square. You can decide how big it is, and that big could be a, a mile apart, a mile square, say, if it's a battlefield. And then you say how many particles, how many objects, if you want to use object-orientated audio, how many bits of sound... You know, it might be in the case of a battlefield, it might be um, a dozen different types of sword uh, clashes or um, gunfire. Um, and then the software can randomize those. They can also, because you have, you may only have, say, 10 sounds, but you might have a thousand particles, a thousand objects. It can tweak those 10 sounds. So they are all, all the, the thousand that are there are all slightly different. Um, it's really, really useful for building up a sound uh, soundscape that essentially doesn't exist in real life. So you basically almost just paint on the audio kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. It's, so well, it's a bit like um, you see this uh, in CGI with, uh, what do people use? Boris FX, I think. Possibly. This isn't yeah. really my area. But so it's an audio version of 3D, basically 3D yes. graphics. So exactly you, you make that. something and you can you can replicate them and have as many of them as you like. And uh, What was the first big film? First big film I it saw was these Lord of on the Rings. Was... They, build, they, 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 they did the battle scenes where they had like a th like millions of people on the battlefield. Yeah, but, totally. Before that, they did it with it was all um, done in CGI, wasn't it? The Mummy films, when they had kind of like a million scarab beetles running around and eating people and stuff and sort of like all those smoke effects and people turning to dust and that's particles and you generate them and you say, 
you you program a behavior and and the computer renders them but you're saying you can do this for sounds as well so yes now you can do it with sound with this uh, software called sound particles wow wow so uh, look out for some more on that uh, on the on the sites uh, so the uh, second one is uh, a piece of virtual reality uh, software um it's enables you again to build up a soundscape in in VR and what's what's interesting is that it uses uh, the VR controllers so the sort of hand units that you can hold and you can look around using um, something like an oculus headset and all the interface for adjusting the sounds moving them around can all be controlled using the sort of tools or 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 interface that a game player will be using when they come when they come to uh, say play or access the finished product. Was this Dear VR? Yes. Ah, I, I've I've played with some with the Plugin Alliance plugin. I did. Something. Yes, this 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 is now a, a, essentially a, a plugin. Currently, it's working with Reaper, although uh, they are working on a Pro Tools version. Uh, but it gives you a, a standalone controller. Those plugins are are a, a, a taste of things to come. But the interface appears in 3D space, doesn't it? So yes. you don't have to come out of the virtual headset to... Correct, yeah. to control it and to to adjust it. So you, you're actually working on the soundscape, the 3D soundscape, in the virtual 3D space. It's a getting a bit minority report, isn't it? That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, one last thing I'm going to talk about, which perhaps will have a, a broader appeal. Um, I was invited to a, uh, a demonstration session, uh, which was uh, the coming together of uh, Dolby with their Dolby Atmos system and PMC speakers. So imagine a Dolby Atmos system uh, with PMC speakers, and then be listening to a series of tracks that have been mixed by some very well-known uh, mixers as they experiment by uh, mixing music tracks, uh, both past and present, in Dolby Atmos. So the first track we heard was uh, one from Elton John. Uh, there were a number of other tracks. Uh, there was a great big band sound. And what and it was all hosted, obviously, with PMC, but also our good friend of the site, Steve Jenowick. And some amazing uh, tracks. And Steve has been working, because now they've got, um, in Capital Studios, they've got a Dolby Atmos uh, suite. And, in fact, they insisted that it needed to be PMC speakers, which have never been used with a Dolby Atmos system. And so they had to, uh, Dolby had to go through the accreditation process to make sure that it was all absolutely fine. Well, um, it was, of course. Uh, and so Steve has been working, as well as a number of others, on, uh, yeah, trying to get their head around the sort of what you do with Dolby Atmos for music tracks. So this is not music for film. This is straight music tracks. Um, we, we can see with the growth of... Um, Dolby Atmos, uh, largely for home entertainment, you know, home cinema. Um, we now have that sort of delivery platform for um, a growing number of users, and uh, they're starting to take a look at how uh, music can be delivered using that format. Um, it was absolutely stunning. I was to say, the combination of 
uh, Dolby Atmos and uh, PMC speakers was uh, mind-blowing. Uh, and a piece of news that we broke while you were away is that uh, I see that Sound Radix's auto-align post is going to be working ARA2 in VST and ARA2 in AU as well. Indeed. Uh, and I took a quick look at that. And uh, Oh, they had it there, did they? Yes, it was rather bizarre because I, I went over to uh, the Sound Radix stand and as I got closer, I thought, I recognise that voice. It was me. <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, to, to, uh, I, uh, Nia asked me if he could use the material that I created for our uh, video and tutorial, that if he could use that on the on the trade show floor. Because, of course, one of the problems we have with some post-related demonstrations is finding content that isn't uh, can be cleared for copyright for use uh, in a public environment. Because most of the work that we do in post um we can very rarely uh, use in that sort of demonstration uh so um yeah it was a little bizarre walking up to a stand and hearing yourself coming out of the speakers but no very clever and it's very interesting to see now how um th that uh, near has now been able to use the ARA2 um uh technology to really improve the integration of yet another plugin with the host DAWs like uh, Studio One and uh, Logic Pro that support ARA. And again, it just reinforced for me how important uh, it would be to uh, to get ARA-type uh, functionality within Pro Tools. Yeah, I, 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 we, I think that's a, it's got to go right up the list now, hasn't it? ARA yes. integration for Pro Tools. For things like Isotope, should be paying close attention oh, to this as well. Yes, imagine using RX. Any, I, I last week I was using uh, uh, Revoice Pro four in, in that in ARA mode in mm. Studio One, and it's just so. It just it's just so easy. It's just like you grab the audio, it opens the the the, the external application, you edit it, and it's back in the timeline. There's no, you don't even have to send it back. Mm. So imagine that for all of these external. Uh, applications uh, would be absolutely brilliant, wouldn't it? Definitely. So, speaking of uh, Isotope, I noticed uh, I was I was quite satisfied to see when I'm thinking back to the show at the New Year when we we're talking about mm -hmm. our predictions for the following year, and one of mine was uh, into plug-in communication, and sure enough, uh, in the new version of Nectar Three. Um, there's interplugging communication. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that struck me as um, uh, well, that, that struck me as uh, the world was listening to me. I don't, I'm going to take credit for that personally. But uh, th th it's got this um, uh, complimentary plugin you put on other tracks within your session, which yeah, the relay plugin. That's the one, and uh, and it carves out space for your vocal to sit in those other instruments and identifies potential clashes, which, I mean, that's mm. possibly controversial because there's certainly there's, there's a range of opinions on whether or not um, carving is a is is a helpful approach to mixing. But um, Some people spit when you say that. Or they? whether it should be banned because the arrangement should be done right in the first place. <laughs> As I said, there's a range. Yeah, whether, whether you should leave them in there because they're in there. Uh, Indeed. So, but um, uh, it, it rang a bell, put it that way, seeing that, and I thought, thank you very much. But um, uh, that looked like a really useful thing, actually, and it sort of, mm. it's, it's come into line with the rest of the product line. 
And uh, yeah, it's because the old Nectar, I, I didn't really take to actually, but that one looks much more interesting. So, yeah. Mike, did you manage to get your hands on the 2448 console from API? I, I got a very brief... Um, grope. Uh, l- yes. Uh, stroke, I think would be... <laughs> Just a stroke, more. not even a grope. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, it looks very, very interesting. And of course, it. what's also interesting is it's got a, a display built into... Uh, to the right of the faders. Um, I saw that for kind of uh, 1980s sort of automation. Yeah, all the functionality, you know, you've got transport. You can have, obviously have it on a on a computer monitor screen, but just having it built in the desk there uh, was uh, very nice. But, of course, yeah, it's API uh, with all the uh, sonic quality that goes with that particular brand. All the wells and bissels. Indeed. Cool, cool. Anyway, uh, let us know what you 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 thought was good about AES uh, and uh, Julian competitions. This month, we've partnered with our friends at IK Multimedia to offer you three opportunities of winning a copy of IK Multimedia's Total Studio Max Two music production bundle worth twelve hundred euros. Right, so talking point two. If anything lit up the site uh, last week, it, it, that more than anything, it was the story we ran of the kind of almost one line in a invitation that uh, went out from Apple last week that new products were coming. There were several new products. One of them was the there's supposed to be a new uh, iPad Pro coming. Uh, there's supposed to be a, a, the, the cheapest MacBook coming. Uh, and some other things. But the the small thing that, that when we did some digging, we found quite a lot of data on is that there's a new Mac Mini aimed at the pro user. Uh, now, let's be careful when we say pro user, because the minute we say pro users around communities like this, we all get very narcissistic and think it's just talking about audio and video. And fair is fair, Apple did come from that world, but they've got much greater. And I think Mike's always good about explaining what pro means in a computer product. It actually means it will run all day and all night without melting, probably. That's kind of, it's got better components and stuff like that. But generally, uh, the story uh, is out there. So, so Mike, this this is, I was then trying to figure out what the price points would be. This would be the lowest kind of priced pro machine for a desktop I from think Apple. so. Yes. Uh, if you look at the iMac and you look at the Mac Pro, yeah, uh, I think it's very exciting. I don't know about you. I, I'm certainly very interested. I think this could well be uh, a really interesting product for uh, Pro Tools users, whether that's uh, you're using the standard version or whether you want to use uh, uh, HD Native or HDX, uh, obviously with some form of Thunderbolt expansion chassis. But those are now coming down in price. Um and so the idea of a Mac Mini with some much newer uh, processors uh, looks a very, very interesting um, possibility. Uh, of course, we've got all the usual queries as in terms of being able to upgrade the RAM and the hard drives, which, of course, we could with the older ones. Because if you remember, the uh, server version of the earlier Mac Mini was a very popular machine in the Pro Tools world because it was the effectively the only way of getting a quad-core um, Mac Mini. Uh now, of course, exactly what, as you say, that pro means in this context, I would like to think it'll mean uh, a better graphics uh, card or graphics chip uh, than the, conven- the 
the conventional uh, Mac Minis. And and anyway, just to moving that on a little bit further, the Mac Mini has been is well overdue a a refresh. Um, so uh, that looks really really interesting. Well, it hasn't been changed since 2012. This yeah. was this was the story about it. It's, it's like six years out. Uh, mm. They've of course updated it, but there's no been there's no been significant development work done on it. So, what would you hope to see in it, Mike? Uh, I would certainly want to see uh, better graphics facilities. I'd want to see uh, quad core at an absolute minimum, and preferably six or even more, but I think that's being very uh, optimistic. Um, it needs to be quiet, uh, as the existing Mac Minis are, um, and uh, it would be nice, but I think I'm probably living in cloud cuckoo land uh, for it to uh, have upgradable RAM and hard drives. But I think the final thing is... It uh, it would it really could do with Thunderbolt three stroke USB C. I think and that's I, without a doubt that that would be in there. And I think yes, I think looking at the the trajectory of 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 the other machines like the uh, iMac Pro, uh, the MacBook Pros, uh, etc., that's certainly a trajectory that Apple uh, are following. So, what do we think about pricing? I mean, this is total guesswork, obviously, but I think it will be USB. I think it will replace the two Thunderbolt ports with with C ports. I think it will keep the HDMI. I think it will still have the four USB ports, but there'll be USB mm. three ports. Uh, so basically, I think it will have this. It will be loaded with the same uh, sockets on it, but I think it will be uh, better cooling because it has to be. Mm. Uh, I think it will be eight ninety nine minimum uh, because it will be loaded with a good chip and yes. good memory. So I think it will have a starting price of the price of the most expensive one in the range now, which is the 2.8 one terabyte storage for $999, eight gig Mm. of memory. But I think if it's a pro machine, 16 gig of memory, uh, it's basically got to be a MacBook Pro in a mini chassis with all the connectivity. It would be nice to see uh, if they will do 32, 32 gig of RAM as they have done with the latest MacBook Pros. Yeah. that would make a real difference to Pro Tools users. It would. Yeah. But I think I think it's going to be pricing at about $1,000 personally for a Pro. For, for yeah, I think, I think there'll be several models, and I think the cheapest one will be, as you say, $999. But yeah. running up to perhaps something like $1,500, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Fully loaded. And so yeah. what, what would you like to say? Because, Julian, you've got one, haven't you? Yeah, I absolutely. I'm still soldiering on with the 2012 Mac Mini, which um, I no longer think in terms of uh, of uh, what it can't do, because there's loads of things that it can't do, but I think of, in terms of what it can do. And, uh, yeah, it can do very nearly everything that's, uh, that I want it to. It's uh, it, it runs up against it a bit with um, with Final Cut, and I've got some strategies to avoid asking too much of it. And as as long as I'm not trying to run any uh, heavy VIs, and I, I just I tend to I tend to commit or freeze, frankly. And I don't use any kind of like mega VIs anyway. I'm not a very heavy VI user, but I can run session audio sessions as big as I need to, and it's fine. And half the time I'm running I'm running something to record the output into, and something to record the video as well. Which you know, if I would 
<laughs> doing that stuff yeah. in in a in a different capacity possibly I wouldn't have to. My thoughts on this mini are um all everything everything that 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 you two said perfectly sensible. I've done a little kind of like back of an envelope uh calculation and I'm coming in I'm being a bit pessimistic here but I'm coming in around 14 1500 quid. Um just because I'm looking at how much uh, a base spec iMac costs compared to a base spec iMac Pro, and it's about three times the cost for the Pro model. So extrapolating from that, and although the base model Mac Mini is extremely old, so component costs are going to be kind of low. Actually, I mean they're so old that the component the components are probably more expensive now because they're so old. <laughs> Not available, yeah, 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 struggling to keep. Yeah. But uh, but still, kind of taking a, a base model as as being um, as being just under five hundred five hundred quid, then I'm getting to kind of like just under fifteen hundred for a for an iMac Pro. But even at that, I tell you what, I'd go for it if the the specs lined up. I think yeah, it's got to come I in at 16 so. gig, but hopefully there'll be much anyone who's talking about non-soldered RAM, I think is dreaming. Yeah. But if it if it gives suitable uh suitable options so that like say you can get 32 gig, um I think doing anything inside it is again is is being unrealistic that's just not how it is these days no none, but, none of the current models but with current specs with current inside. specs and, and enough well, that's socketry not the, that's not the design philosophy it. they're going to want you to hook usb3 stuff off the sorry uh, thunderbolt 3 stuff off the back of it mm. uh just like the mac pro mm. can i say what's exciting though is scan now is selling a keto thunder 3 node it's a PCI expansion box. It's not full length, so you couldn't fit HDX cards into it, but you could fit U- you could fit UAD cards and uh, HD native HD native cards if you can buy one. Uh, that gives you two Thunderbolt three ports and a, and a Display port. Uh, and the other thing, of course, now Julian is you can offload video onto those boxes as well, so you can drive get really good video. You can basically use a video card on the, off the back of a Mac now by using mm. external video drivers. Mm. Uh, so, I think I think a loaded one with thirty two gig of RAM, uh, I think could come in at like eleven ninety nine something like that, which would be brilliant. It would mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. and then everything else just sits up. There. Then you only need you only need a terabyte of drive to, to, for everything that's going on inside. I've got, that's what I've got on my Max. Everything else is external, isn't it? The unknowns yeah. of video hardware, which I know you can do externally, but it's you know. I think they need to put it onto a separate chip if they're going to make this a pro machine. And yeah. just the cooling thing, and I mean, there's there's been talk about a the Mac Mini won't be so mini anymore, and if they're making it bigger, it, I'm sure it's going to be a thermal led kind I of you know so. choice. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's uh, it, it, that makes perfect sense because they've got the luxury because it's a desktop. The thing that's that's so difficult with uh, MacBook Pros, which is such a popular choice, but ultimately a really restricted choice just because the story of Apple laptops has been one about trying to keep them cool. I mean, the whole reason that that the MacBook Pro was such a long time coming was because they never could do a G5 laptop, you know, and and that's carried on since the move to Intel. It's been people burning their legs (laughs) on (laughs) tiny, tiny, tiny laptops just because there's the pressure to make them as thin as possible. So, yeah, we don't have that. Give me a nice big fat brick-shaped computer that can stick on my desk that does what it has to do and doesn't cost as much as a, an iMac Pro. I suspect, though, it being an Apple, it won't be a big fat brick. It'll be an elegant uh, brick. <laughs> elegant fat brick. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> but even if they, I, I don't think they'd have to do a lot. Probably add, add ten mil to the height to do yes. some significant stuff inside that box. Indeed. Listen, look, look what they put in an iPhone. Uh, and I said, I've just bought myself a, a new, uh, the latest iterate or last year's because I bought a, a refurb. But I bought the latest MacBook Pro, and the, the power coming out of that thing in hardly any size uh, is 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 impressive. So, yeah. But only thing is, just as long as it's quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's why the the, the let's hope it doesn't get a fan in it. Mm. It's um, it keeps it quiet. Uh, having having used a, a a MacBook Pro for work that I wouldn't choose to do a MacBook Pro on for so long, I've got a, I've got a, just an ingrained sort of Pavlovian stress response to the sound of a <laughs> a, a MacBook Pro going into takeoff mode. It's just yeah. you know. Incredible the way it just knows when you've got an open microphone and goes, and here I go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on. Uh, let us know your thoughts on that. I'm sure you will. They always get stuff. Julian, uh, there's an Exponential Audio podcast exclusive deal for those who can decipher it, yeah? We have an exclusive special offer just for you, our podcast listeners. In a moment, we're going to read out a special URL, so get pen and paper ready. At the moment, Michael's offering Nimbus Stereo Reverb for $139.90. That's a very precise price. Instead of $199, but these offers are for a short period, usually around a week. Go to Exponential Audio's website homepage, just add a forward slash, if there isn't one there already, and then type PTE special, all one word, and all lowercase, into your browser URL field. Click on the Buy Now button and follow the instructions to get the great special offer from Exponential Audio. Note this URL won't be in the podcast notes, so make sure you make a note of it. Let's move on to questions from the community. These are sponsored by our friends at RSPE Audio. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. Our friends at RSPE Audio are proud to now be the authorised dealer for Amphion Speakers. Uh, they're known as being honest and accurate, and the Amphion speakers are hand-built in Finland to precise specifications, providing a full line of high-quality, great-sounding speakers. So especially if you're on the west coast of the US, uh, do contact RSP for a demo or for more information on the Amphion Studio monitors, and there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Dom Torch writes, Dear Pro Tools experts, do you know if there's a way to get DigiDesign MIDI IO working with Pro Tools 2018 Ultimate under Mac Sierra? It was perfectly working before on Pro Tools HD 10 on 10.8.5, but now it does not show up in MIDI setup. Hope you can find a way of getting this working. Yes, um, the pr- slight problem with uh, the MIDI I.O. Uh, is that it was last sold by Avid back at the end of 2007 and it was end of supported, its last day of, of official support was uh, the last day of 2012. Um, and uh, I so I checked out, because uh, as we know with some other products, um even though they've, they've reached their end of support dates uh, as listed on the special page on the Avid website, that doesn't necessarily mean that, they're no, that they are no longer supported. However, in the case of the MIDI I.O., I've checked the Pro Tools 2018 system requirements, 
and I'm afraid it's not there. So unfortunately, if you want to continue using uh, the Digizign MIDI I.O., then you're going to have to roll back to something earlier. Uh, I mean, as you say, you, it was working fine on Pro Tools 10 on Mac OS 10.8.5. Um, not exactly sure when it fell off, but I would have thought it was probably some one of the versions of Pro Tools 11. So I fear me it's probably going to be time to find a new MIDI interface for your system, Dom. Gary Shepard's been in touch. Hi, experts. Hurricane Michael passed right over my town, cutting power. Ever since, I can't get Pro Tools 12.4 syncing with my audio interface. A folks right, Sapphire Pro 40. Never had a problem before. I'm hoping someone can help me. Here's what happens. I hear all the sounds fine through the Sapphire and my monitors, but the faders won't move in Pro Tools at all. Uh, I've made sure the Sapphire shows up under setup and the I.O. is correct. Um... I then get an error message saying segmentation fault in the main thread at address 0x0. Google showed me some possible things, but none have worked. I usually save all my stuff directly to an external drive. I tried saving it to my internal drive. No difference. I can't record anything. Can someone help? My guess is, and this, this reminds me of a very famous story from my life of audio, when we had a mixing desk at a gig that was humming like fury, and it, but it was lit up and everything looked normal. But it, after after an hour and a half of getting engineers out, we found out that the uh, neutral was missing off the plug, uh, the power plug. Uh, and it just what I'm really trying to say is just because it looks like it's working doesn't mean it is. My guess is it's fried, mm. and I'd get your I'd get your interface to to a dealer just to get it checked. Uh, it might work to all intents and purposes, but it sounds in a sense it's not passing any audio, is it, guys? Well, it, it, it appears as though it's playing audio out. The problem perhaps appears to be the audio not coming in. Um, so, yeah. But yes, I think I think it's more than likely that uh, the um, the power failure to thanks to Hurricane Michael, uh, no relation. Um, it's your fault, Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, has done some damage to your Focusrite Sapphire. Um, the best thing to do would be to see if uh, you can go back to your dealer, maybe borrow an interface and confirm that that really is the issue uh, or borrow an, a, a different interface that's Pro Tools compatible from a friend uh, and just double check that. But that's, uh, I think, what it's looking like. My only thing to add to that is, um, yeah, exactly, try another interface. If you don't have an external interface, then just switch to built-in output. And uh, see if that works. Or I mean, I suppose you could try Pro Tools Aggregate I/O. Although that probably caused more I problems. Yes, yeah, start, start with the simple thing. Start with yeah. built-in app. But that's a great. That's a great. Yeah, yeah. And great just idea. if if that works, then it will help identify whether or not it's Pro Tools is your issue or your hardware. Uh, Chris Carenta. Uh, hello, I'm a sound engineer from Greece. I am currently working on post-production for many projects and clients, including Disney Greece and Netflix. Actually, I've been doing this since twenty two. Sorry, since two thousand and nine, and I want to travel deeper and be certified from the top of the industry. I want to enrol into a course that has to do with surround mixing 5171 and Atmos systems. I only work on Avid hardware and Pro Tools since I started in 2007. Is there any program based in Europe or even e-learning? Do you know where I could find such a thing? Mike? Uh, yes, there are. Um, stuff and probably loudness as well. Well, yes, uh, but what you need to look for is Avid accredited uh, training establishments. Um 
I would have thought there might be one in Greece, but certainly in a number of European uh, countries, uh, you will be able to find uh, establishments, uh, sort of establishments you're looking for. Uh, School of Sound Recording would be one, um, but that what you're looking for is an avid accredited uh, training provider. Now, uh, one thing to bear in mind, although you want to um, move on to surround mixing, etc., uh, one of the way the, the the way that the avid courses uh, run, and you start with one hundred and one. Uh, 110, uh, 201, etc., is you have to start at the beginning. You can't enter the program part way up. Um, but uh, I can well understand uh, your desire to be uh, accredited, uh, but that's what you're looking for, a training establishment that is AVID certified training. Um, if you look for um, AVID learning partner, uh, I'm just it. on the yeah. I'm just on the avid education site now, and on the drop down, actually, it appears that there isn't anything in Greece. Okay, um, so what's are, nearest? Uh, I'm just looking at Italy now, but uh, <laughs> um, and it, it depends exactly what you're looking for. But um, as long as you find one that's uh, ALP professional, looks like the way to go. Um, uh, there will be uh, universities, etc., who are offering an embedded course as part of their program. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for a short course. Mm. Yes. So for that, um, look for a short course that's go along uh, for for hundred level. It's it's a couple of days. Uh, for the kind of uh, courses get longer, and um, and, and also there at is some a cost. point you some point you specialize specialize into the M series for music, or in your case, the P series for uh, post production. That happens at two, or certainly used to happen. I haven't shaped recently at two hundred level, and you do two ten, two ten M or two ten P, and then divide from there. But yeah, what you're looking for is uh, go to find an avid learning partner on the avid uh, avid website, and uh, find what's best for you, and uh, you will find something that will fulfill your needs i'm sure obviously there's video stuff in there as well because they provide training across all of the product lines so um the fact that there's some something in uh, in a particular location doesn't mean it necessarily offers what you're looking for but i would have thought it'd be okay yeah the pro tools expert podcast is created using source connect now from source elements Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. So let's get on to our find of the week. These are sponsored by our friends at Synchro Arts. Hi. You're listening to the Pro Tools Expert Podcast Find of the Week, proudly sponsored by Synchro Arts. And our friends at Synchro Arts are proud to announce the release of Revoice Pro 4, the ultimate toolbox for timing and pitch adjustment. Contains over 70 new features and improvements to the sonic output workflow and performance. Revoice Pro 4 can save you hours of editing time in the studio, ensure high production values, and help you achieve your creative vision. You can get a 14-day free trial over at SyncoArts.com, and you can also take advantage of the 20% off introductory pricing for all new licenses and upgrades. And there will be 
a link in the show notes for that one. Right then. Uh, Julian, what's your find of the week? My find of the week is is an Akai 4000DS quarter-inch tape machine, oh, which I, I, uh, I acquired yeah. for nothing. I think it's about as old as me, actually. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's in perfect working order. Um, I, I'm not sure I'd use it uh, for any uh, to run off any a stereo masters too. Um, it's possibly not in that great condition, but I'm using it as a, as a tape delay and it's enormous fun. And just the clunk of mechanical controls and running a tape off and getting the flack, 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 flack is taking me right back. <laughs> so yeah, great fun. Um, I, I, I've got it on my list to make a video uh, and uh, I'm not saying when, but I will at some point make a video and uh, show a little kind of trick that I've uh, come up with, which uh, I'm sure I have, I'm sure... Other people have got to first, but I've certainly not come across it before. That's been quite useful for running a uh, tape machine like this as a tape delay. Uh, is it the is it the machine with the kind of big oblong style knobs? Yes, uh, yes. You the rotate length way knobs, clunk, clunk, to clunk. go into play or rewind. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Mike, what's your find of the week? Uh, one I've already uh, talked about tonight on the show, and that has to be the Sound Particles uh, software. Um, this uh, sort of idea of using uh, CGI graphics type technology, but with audio to build up soundscapes. Really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's mine, Sound Particles. Russ, what about you? What's your finder this week? Well, I mentioned earlier on the show that I'd, I'd invested in the new version of the Mac, and I know people get their knickers in a twist about the having to go to Thunderbolt 3 and all the connectors and stuff. Well, uh, I found a really great device by SanDisk, which is a magic kind of USB drive. So it's, it's, got, it's, got, so it's a memory stick, uh, but it has a slider on top of it, and you slide it one way, and it's, it's, it's Thunderbolt 3. You slide it the other way, and it's USB 3. So... If you're moving between machines that are USB and, and Thunderbolt, then it's a perfect way to get data very quickly between two machines. Uh, very clever. They go up to uh, 256 uh, gigabyte size, uh, or you can get them bare as well, and then you can just put your own card in it. But I think I just I think I thought I thought I'd just 32 gigabyte just to move stuff around between two machines very quickly. But I think that's brilliant. Uh, and uh, yeah. It's so I say all I've got on this machine now is just US uh, is uh, USB C stroke Thunderbolt three connectivity, which is uh, so this thing is is brilliant. Sandisk Ultra Flash Drive C to USB. I think uh, genius little invention, uh, very good. And uh, it's a shorter show than normal. Uh, so, but. Uh, Mike's probably got to go to bed now because he's yes, been, on a, been on a plane all night <laughs> and he's, he's studying at short notice. Uh, and uh, you can go and get yourself a coffee yeah. in, in the 10 minutes that's left. But uh, on that basis, it's good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night. Good night.